Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1515. The obstacle is my path. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest named Mark Wilson, who's calling in from beautiful Fallbrook, California, down close to where I grew up in Southern California. Mark Wilson grew up in a car family with a father who's an automotive journalist and a mother who loved motorsports. He worked with Stuart Patterson in his race prep shop and was gifted a Formula Ford, which he promptly started racing. That is cool. Mark's career started as a test driver for marketing claims and progressed into high-performance driving, coaching, and marketing events. He travels the country and works with OEMs. He coaches private clients, and he's even trains special forces. In 2016, he set his sights a little bit higher and embarked on a flying journey with a goal to be a commercial pilot, allowing him to fulfill his ultimate dream of flying and driving fast. We'll be back in just a minute to talk to Mark, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. We'll be right back. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Mark, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? All six points are buckled. Let's go. Good. Well, hopefully we won't need all those. I'll try to keep it uh, between the guardrails here. Before we jump into the questions, though, could you tell our listeners maybe one little thing that most people don't know about Mark Wilson? I got my start in the automotive world by learning how to walk, quite literally. I would learn how to really? walk by pushing. Yes, I learned how to walk by pushing my dad's race car tires around. Well, that's kind of cool. Of course, your mom maybe was a little unhappy with the black palm prints all over the walls <laughs> after you did that. But uh, well, that's that's pretty cool. I like that. So you've literally been smelling rubber your whole life. I, I have been. Yeah, uh, I think I was six weeks old when my parents took me to the Monterey store. Oh my gosh! Well, that's yeah. cool. You know, my daughter was about that age. 
the first time I took her, uh, walked around with her on a little backpack on my back uh, all weekend long. And uh, But I didn't quite get her to convert to being a car gal. She just isn't that interested, but I think it worked for you. It did. Yeah, very cool. Well, listen, let's start this journey that we will call your life with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying I like to say that's instrumental or been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the tires smoking here on cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, Mark, so grab the wheel. Uh, so a little mantra I have is the obstacle is my path. And I developed that. I was riding motorcycles actually in Europe out in the woods and kept falling over a log on a very simple uphill. It's wet, muddy uphill and riding up and there's this log across and would look at it and try to, I would usually fall over when I went across it. And finally, I realized just changing the mental outlook from viewing that log as an obstacle in my path to viewing that log as my path was critical in getting over it. You know, this is really interesting. I I thought you were going to maybe go in a different way here, being a driver and a racer and a coach, because when I went to driving school, racing school, Laguna Seca, never forget the the guy constantly yelling in my ear, you know, look up, look up, head up, look past what is in front of you, look down the track and so forth. Is there a little bit of that tied into this concept that you have? (laughs) Exactly. It's basically looking, like you said, at that path beyond that log, for my instance, that log. But for me, that log is still there. It's something you still have to overcome. Very simple, like, like a corner on a racetrack. It's still there. It might intimidate you. It might be something you've never done before, but if you view it as your path instead of an obstacle in your path, it makes that corner the feeling of intimidation much easier. Oh, definitely. And I remember the other one is look through the corner, look at where you want to be, not where you're going. And yeah. Uh, it's like those videos you see of little kids that are riding bicycles and they're looking at the bush and they just ride right into the bush or the side oh. of a car or a telephone pole. Uh, we've all done that. And it's kind of like, you know, you think about people being concerned about things. And of course, I'm, I'm not going to jump into the deal we're dealing with these days with coronavirus virus too much here. But when you focus on the negativity, it's like that which we manifest is before us. You and I talked about that in our pre-show chat. Uh, instead of focusing on where you need to be, where you need to get past. Um, how are some of the ways that you've utilized that concept in your life and your career? Well, I probably should have taken it a little bit more to heart in some instances, but dealing with some challenges, uh, it gets into the, the biggest challenge uh, question later on. But, you know, racing the Formula Ford, there's, there were certain things you have to overcome financial aspects. And it's like, well, just go get a second job. And if it means enough to you to race, you'll find a way of doing it. And then uh, dealing with some of the setbacks in a race, like sometimes you get an accident, sometimes you spin out, um, just developing the mental strength to pull through that, figure out what really is the root cause of it instead of being fearful of the car or don't know exactly what they're... No, I know what you're saying. And you Formula Ford guys always upset me because when I raced vintage cars, I had a Lotus 18, but they would always lump me in with the Formula Fords. And you guys were driving 1,600cc motors. Mine was the 1,000. I had drum brakes, little Renault gearbox. I could never keep up, and it was so frustrating. And I had a good friend, uh, Dick Buckingham, who ran Sovereign up here, and I remember him pulling me aside. He had a Jolus, which was kind of like a Formula Junior. 
well, was it Formula Junior, but more powerful. And he, he, I remember one time I was frustrated and he said, look, don't race against those guys. Race against yourself. Try to improve your own time. Yeah, that was the, I actually struggled with this question later on too, the best piece of automotive advice. Uh, but my mentor, Stuart Patterson, really did tell me, he goes, you're erasing the clock, you know, and it's, it's critical. Even there's that clock will keep pushing you and you might be in the lead of the race, but if you back off, then you're, you're going to start making mistakes. And if you just keep your foot down and keep applying yourself and keep the focus there, you'll continue pushing forward. And I think that's a critical mental state to be in. Do you think this also has a good relationship when you are, you know, a lot of people compare themselves to others. Uh, I'm 35 and I don't yet have a house, but two of my friends do. So therefore I am a failure. And then you beat yourself up over that. Or so-and-so has three cars. I only have two or one. There's kind of a relationship there as well, don't you think? There is. And that's one of my favorite parts about coaching and the automotive world and especially racing is there's a lot of parallels to life. So personal example, uh, my brother's younger than me and he bought a house and uh, that that's great for him. And I had this, you know, existential crisis a little while ago. I was like, wait, did I make the mistake? You know, did, should I have a house by now? Um, right. You know, I have exactly. a down, exactly I have what a, I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a down payment in, you know, for a house in that race car. My priorities lay somewhere else and that put me down a different path. You know, my brother's got a beautiful house and it's nice and I had a and have a beautiful time, you know, doing what I do and racing cars and so it's, it's different paths and to a certain extent we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to others, but you know, comparing what we want in life versus what we are yeah. getting out of life. Exactly. No, I th- I think it's a it's a good concept. Well, let's talk a little bit about this life that you're built for yourself, driving, coaching, now flying. What has you excited and fired up about your career these days, Mark? So I really enjoy operating machinery and interacting with physics. Some people say, oh, are you an adrenaline junkie? And I don't view that as being a core principle of mine. But I love the blend of an, a scientific pursuit um, mixed with an artistic pursuit. So what's great about cars and flying is you can sit down, you can study the physics, you can study the engineering, and you can tweak all those to get a desired product. So let's in race car terms, formula car versus stock car, they're going to be different scientific and engineering problems to solve there. However, once you're driving the car, you can't think so scientifically. You have to think more artistically. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a great mashup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very fascinating. You know, at what point did you realize, aside from pushing your dad's race tires around at six months, <laughs> did you realize that uh, driving and being involved in this world of driving was the right thing for you? And, and why do you think that was? When I was about six or seven years old, I started reading books on you know how to drive the proper line and just started absorbing a lot of that information. However, fast forward to junior high school. I was, uh, I would walk up to the bus stop, which is about half a mile from my house and wait there for the bus to come. And usually every morning there was a old Mini Cooper that would run through the corner at the bus stop. And I just remember it being such a cool little car. And then when I got into high school, the bus route actually changed slightly. 
And it took me down a little further away from my house. And on that high school bus route, I could see where that Mini Cooper resided. And so I ran cross country and track in high school. And on one of my runs from my house, I just decided to run down to uh, what ended up being my friend's house. And uh, he just happened to be outside that day working on his Mini Cooper. So I ran down the driveway, introduced myself, took a look at the car up close and personal as my first interaction with the old Mini Cooper. He was buttoning it up a little bit. And we, uh, so he, you know, finished up what he was doing and then took me for a spirited drive around the block. And I was just hooked. (laughs) Yeah, those things are, are incredible. The first time I got to riding one was back when I was in college and my roommate had a friend. They ended up, his friend ended up living next door to us, and he had one of these old 60s Mini Coopers. And he took me on this ride from Pacific Beach, California, up to the cross, uh, Mount Soledad, there in La Jolla. And you live down in that area. Yeah. And driving up the hill to that cross and then down the other side, hillside drive, I was like, oh my gosh, he'd go into a corner and i go, stop, stop. And he's like, don't worry. And it was like a, I just remember it feeling like a slot car, and then he let me drive it back. And I'm like, this is so cool. How can this car do this? These tiny little wheels and tires. And it's basically a brick, right? But yeah. they're phenomenal. It's a street legal go-kart. And they're, they are yeah. great. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have a longtime listener here, Chris Kimball, who's smiling right now because I know he listens every day. He's a very tall guy. I'm not tall. He's very tall. And he has an old Mini Cooper. And he can crawl into that thing. And, and it puts a big smile on his face. I think he might even like it better than his Pantera. I'm not sure, but could be. Could be. We'll see. Well, let's talk about when you referred to it earlier, uh, a big challenge or a big failure that you maybe have faced in your life and your career. Kind of walk us through it. But more importantly, what did it teach you so that you could come out in a positive way on the other side? So when I was racing the Formula Ford, I happened to be in college and trying to work my way through college and work to afford the Formula Ford. And it's safe to say that there wasn't a lot of time that I had. It was one of those rare instances at this point in time where I had a little bit more money than time. So I had someone else prep the car for me. We went up to uh, Willow Springs to do a test day and we had a good test day schedule sorted out. We on- offloaded my car in the trailer and uh, went through my unfortunately limited morning check and uh, hopped in the car for a warm up session and drove it around and It was cold that day. And so, you know, in a a proper race car, getting the shocks up to temp is a huge deal. So I was like getting everything up to temp and I I could feel this little vibration that I didn't remember. And so I did about three laps and I'm like, this is, this is a weird vibration. And the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, I didn't check the lug nuts this morning because my mind had been with work and hadn't been really with the car coming down the front straight at Willow past critically past the pit in. And I was like, oh, lug nuts. I didn't check them. Okay, I need to slow down. So swatted first gear and just poked around the racetrack. Made it all the way to turn eight at Big Willow. And that's when the left rear decided to park company with with the car. It sheared off the lug nuts or lug studs. Then obviously that drops it down. Sheared off the bottom shock mount and tore up some suspension. I spun twice and ended up alongside the road and it just didn't have the money for the spare parts at that time. And I was just a little wreck. And from there, I just had felt like I let the 
teammate down and, you know, let everybody down. Cause there was about, man, I think seven people came up for that test and said we had that big testing program to get through. I, I, I mean, I'll freely admit this even via public podcast. I mean, I, I excused myself from everyone for a minute and walked over and uh, actually sat on the podium at Willow, which if you've been there, you're familiar with it, and literally cried against the wall thinking, you know, how did I mess up? You know, I let all these people down. Came back from that, went back to the garage and, you know, dove into whatever work I could. And my mentor, Stuart Patterson, who I worked, you know, alongside with in his prep shop, getting this thing going, uh, was you know, really critical. He's like, Hey, yeah, you made a mistake, but you know, learn from this mistake. Like the, that's why we're here to learn this stuff. And, you know, even more so recover from that mistake, like accept that you made it, figure out how to change it, but don't disappear fr- and retreat from you know life in this case. He goes, come back and, you know, do what you can to help me and uh, don't be the rust. That was really critical to me too. And uh, something I'll always be grateful for Stuart for, imparting on me. It's like, yeah, we, we do make mistakes and, but we can move forward from them. And that's in general too, like racing taught me that it's like, do whatever you're going to do during the day and then have a debrief session with yourself and think about it or even think about it with someone else. And, uh, I did that when I started flying, I would fly, you know, internalize what I could while I was flying. But a big piece of that would be coming home and just having a mental debrief with myself. What can I do better? How can I change it for tomorrow? And I think that was a big skill set that moved forward in flying and also coaching. You know, coaching in the high performance driving arenas can be pretty stressful. And, you know, I came up with some interesting tricks to mitigate that stress and, you know, figure out, okay, what makes it stressful and uh, figuring some coaching tricks out and figuring the people out and the psychology of coaching in the car makes your life better. And uh, I think I can trace all that back to sharing lug nuts off in a Formula Ford and crying in the corner about it. Yeah. Well, you know this, you dodged a massive bullet there in one way, because if that, if you'd been at speed on a track in a crucial corner and that it happened, you could have had a catastrophic accident uh, into a wall or something like that. And so in, in that respect, you did listen to your inner voice a little bit. What was that vibration? Maybe I better slow yep. down. You know, because yep. people won't. They'll go, well, I'll, I'll find it when I come in. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I had a, a wheel nut, a center one single lug nut come off of a Lola T290 on me going through a high-speed corner. And uh, yeah. it scares the hell out of you, that's for sure. <laughs> and, and it was one of the times that I had other people checking the torque and servicing the car, and I didn't do it myself. And I always did it myself as a promise, but I thought, well, they're professionals. They've done it. Uh, in this case, they missed it and it came off. And uh, luckily I didn't hit anything too hard, but yeah, you'll never do that again. That's the great thing here. And I loved the story you shared with how that relayed into the other parts of your business and definitely flying aircraft. I mean, you look at how pilots prep a flight, prep for a flight in so many ways, and you know, you can't have a mistake up in the air. So Great lessons learned there. Let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors, and we will be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. 
Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today, and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. If you're listening to Cars yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we're back here on this journey of your life we call Mark, and I'd love for you to tell a story that instigated this personal passion you have with cars and racing. Uh, you've alluded to this a couple points, but is there a real pivotal moment when you knew, you know what, I'm a car guy for life here? Beyond the Mini Cooper story I told earlier, uh, the critical thing was my Formula Ford journey. And uh, so they tie in together, strangely enough. The Mini Cooper, I bought as my first car. So I found a 1960 Mini Cooper in Eugene, Oregon. Went up during a Christmas break uh, with my mom and uh, scooped up the car and brought it back. Got it running in time to drive uh, the last week to my senior year of high school. Then, uh, you know, drove around a little bit, of course. I needed some more help on it. And we have a family friend, a gentleman named Stuart Patterson, who is also in Fallbrook. And he runs a prep shop. He's a factory trained BMC mechanic. So I arranged with Stuart a cool little trade where we would trade time. I'd help him in his prep shop and clean up cars and do basic little mechanical work. And uh, he'd help me with the Mini Cooper, you know, like tuning carbs and some head work and just learning more about that. So I worked with Stuart for about 18 months. We worked uh, not every day, but usually every day in the shop. I'd ride my bike up there and, you know, hang out with him and, you know, absorb as much as I could about the formula cars and uh, started going to the racetrack with him and, you know, just assisting, you know, strapping people into cars and working there. And uh, uh, that was 2008. We went to Willow Springs uh, with one of Robert's customers, a guy named Robert Biesinger. 
I was just doing the the prep shop, you know, mechanic thing and strapping Robert into car and changing gears if need be and making sure the cars are ready to go. Torque and lug nuts, critically. And uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Robert and Stuart were chatting in the corner while I was working on the car, and I could see them looking at me a little funky. And uh, I could hear Stuart say, yeah, he'd like to, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, kind of, you know, all of a sudden you get really curious. And so uh, Robert approached me and he said, hey, uh, would you be interested in driving the Formula Ford? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, huh? yeah um, naturally. And so Robert invited me back the following weekend to a Friday test day and said, you know, uh, why don't you come back and you can drive the car? And I was in college at the time and, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So politely said, hey, uh, I'd love to, but, you know, I, I don't have the money for that. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. He goes, I'll pay for it as a way of saying thank you for working on my car for the last 18 months. And I thought, yeah, I thought that was really neat. So uh, we came back the following Friday. I'd been with Stuart all week, of course, you know, like going over Willow Springs and he was helping coaching me and hopped into the car and drove the Friday test day. And really enjoyed the experience of being in a formula car. That was my first time in a formula car and uh, just super neat experience. Very lucky. Uh, Late Friday afternoon, uh, Robert approached me again and he goes, Hey, you're doing really well in the car and I'm enjoying watching you race or sorry, watching you test. And he goes, "Uh, I have two cars here this weekend. I'm not feeling that well. Would you be interested in racing the car for me this weekend? Uh, yeah. And again, I, I followed with the, uh, Hey man, I'm a starving college kid. I can't afford this. And he goes, Oh no, don't worry. And he goes, I'll sponsor you. Like I'll, you know, enter you. And you know, there's a couple steps you need to go through. You know, you need to go to a, like basically a rookie class tonight and go through uh, with Vara, you know, go through their little flag class and, you know, learn all this stuff and check off those boxes. Okay, cool. Let's do that. So um, jump on that opportunity. Vara's race weekend schedule at that point in time was a qualifying session, a qualifying race on Saturday. And that qualifying race finishing position sets you up for Sunday's flag race, if you will. Go out for qualifying. I think I qualified third or fourth. Um, There's eight cars in the field, pretty small field that time. Green flag comes for a qualifying race on Saturday. You know, foot goes down and uh, the car just doesn't go anywhere. It's just Oh, it's no. <laughs> making, yeah, I mean, Formula Fords make, you know, about 114 horsepower, and this was probably making about 68. And uh, oh, like, oh, something's wrong. So, of course, the field swamps me, and I pull into the pits on the first lap, and they check out the carburetor, nothing, go out for just another lap, see what if anything's changed, nothing's changed. I pull it in, finishing dead last on my qualifying race, and uh, go back to the pit take a little peek around and we found a seed from plant that had gotten into the primary emulsion tube on the carburetor. And uh, basically, yeah, no fuel being delivered and uh, no fuel equals no power. We uh, pulled that out, uh, tested the car really quick with a, uh, they call a like sacrifice lap. You just go out and drive around really quick and make sure it works and confirmed that it worked and uh, loaded up the car for Sunday, um, get strapped in. And, uh, you know, head out, uh, for the morning warm up. Car feels great. Fantastic. We're going to start this race on Sunday and see what happens. So started dead last. Luckily, there's only eight cars in the field. So I think by turn one, I was in fifth place and go through the rigmarole, uh, basically pick off a few more cars. Mind you, this is my first race ever. 
and then also the longest period of time I'd driven the car, found myself in third place by about the third or fourth lap and track felt like it was getting a little slick, but no big deal. Managed to pass second place, looking for first out there in the distance. And he had kind of checked out at that point in time. He actually spun into turn three. And so I inherited the lead of the race. Um, wow. Now I'm pretty excited and like stoked on life. And uh, we continue on and the track is getting greasier and greasier. And again, this is my first race ever. And the longest I driven the car at this point. So, you know, you hear all the racing stuff when you're growing up and you don't really know what it's like. I'm like, oh, my tires are going away or, you know, something bad's happening. So I just drove as fast as I could, uh, stupidly. And, um, through turn five at Willow. So it's, um, never been to Willow downhill entry that spoons out and bowls out and then goes up to turn six. So come downhill in turn five, everything's good. Turn the car in and get, try to get back on the power and, the rear end just lights up and I just spin around. There's nothing I could do to catch it and ended up stalled out and beached on the inside of turn five. And I'm like, well, that's motor racing. That sucks. And I go to uh, try to start the car. The car won't start. And meanwhile, there it goes now first place by me, then now second place. And I'm like, oh man, I was doing so well. And so I try to start this car up, not starting. And so I kind of, I admit I probably gave up for what felt like an eternity, but it's probably about half a second. And I just said, okay, forget it. And this car won't start. I'm going to wait for the tow truck to show up. And like I said, felt like an eternity, but maybe half a second later, I said, forget that. Like this car is going to start. The starter button is going to wear out or the tow truck is going to show up. One of those three, but I'm not just going to sit here and and wait for a tow truck. So tried every combination I could and finally just buried my foot in the throttle and hit that starter and just waited for it to light. Finally it lit and uh, was able to get going. Ended up finishing the race in third place, I believe, but I had not bad. No, not at all. Um, it, it worked out. Okay. Finished the race in third and ended up with the fastest lap of the race, which is pretty cool. And so I came in and all right. And got pushed back into uh the garage that Robert had rented, which is one of the few garages at Willow Springs. And uh, I remember the general mood was again, a bit odd. And, you know, I was disappointed to have let everybody down from, you know, spinning out in first place. And Stuart comes over and gives me a, you know, crisp handshake says, good job. And then I'm still in the car at this point. And Robert comes over and he said, man, he goes, that was so cool to watch. And he goes, when you got into third place, he goes, I thought I'd have to give you that car. He says, but then you got all the way into first. And he goes, I was just so impressed with that. And he goes, then you, you spun out and he goes, you made my decision easy. Um, and he goes, but my wife turned to me and said, the car is yours. And <laughs> yeah. And uh, it took so me a few times. So he actually gave you the car? He actually gave me the car. He, uh, Robert is an interesting individual. He came from a hard family life and he quit high school early to go support his family he's a very giving individual um, from an early age. And he just, he recognized, you know, something in me that he wanted to cultivate. And so he gave me his formula Ford. And I tried to say, Hey man, you can't do that. And he just looked at me and he says, Mark, he goes, shut up. I just did it. He says, accept it before I change my mind. And so, <laughs> yeah. And I looked at Stuart and Stuart's like, he's like, he's shaking his head. Yes. And so I said, Oh yeah, sure. Robert, uh, Thank you. And uh, so 
as Stuart likes to joke, he goes, I think we got better miles per gallon on the way home because you're on cloud nine, you know, no yeah. rolling resistance. Float, and, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that la- launched a 10 year escapade, if you will, with the Formula Ford. And uh, Robert continued to sponsor me and cultivate a future in the automotive world for me. And, you know, the teaming up with Robert and also working alongside Stuart in his prep shop was, you know, critical in being where I'm at now. So it was, yeah. it was really wow. neat. What a story. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. Well, here's a bit of an introspective question for you. If you were a vehicle, what would you be? Uh, that's actually the question I've struggled with the most. Um, Good. Yeah, I would say the uh, Sunbeam Tiger. And why is that? <laughs> Mainly because I love tigers, and uh, I think they're they're neat car. They're you know a little bit of a European or worldly car with an American heart, and yeah. I just I love that idea. Yeah, they're very fun cars. Had a a guy in our high school that had one, and I thought that was just the coolest thing. And I didn't know much about him at the time, and I remember he showed me the engine. I'm like, whoa. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a Cobra almost, you know, this big American engine inside this little uh, uh, English body. So very cool. Sunbeam Tiger. All right, Mark, we are ending what I call the last lap. You've been here many times. Uh, the white flag's out. Uh, checkered flag's in the distance. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that Sunbeam Tiger throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has helped you be better throughout life has contributed to your success. I love exploring. So, you know, when I'm traveling for work, exploring cities, uh, exploring different cars. So, you know, love driving everything from, you know, a smart car to cargo vans or supercars. I believe all the cars have something to teach you. And then also people and coaching, you know, just being open to, you know, psychology and people's ideas and learning from everyone. Um, So just, exploring the world as best I can. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Uh, this one is a bit personal. Uh, would be my papa, Neil Emery. Ah. So, uh, yeah, Neil Emery is uh, my grandfather on my mom's side. And uh, he was a famous car customizer, owned a shop called Valley Customs, and nice. uh, was responsible for some very special cars. How about the best automotive advice you've ever received from someone else? Uh, this would be Stuart Patterson. Keep it on the island. <laughs> Keep it on the island. Like it. How about a great resource that's a go-to for you that people uh, or that people should know about that you've enjoyed? So uh, one of my good friends says life is a participation sport. And uh, yeah, so uh, just, I mean, I think if you're listening to this and you haven't done it before and, you know, participate in, you know, some focused driving when we drive around on the street it's just transportation but focusing on driving and everything's really interesting so participate go out to the porsche experience center the bmw performance centers the bmw ude program uh racing schools around the country and then i have to plug uh, of course accelerated change if you're female look into accelerated change and go to a track day somewhere and get behind the wheel of a car and focus on driving there you go is there a book that you've read you'd like to share with our listeners? There's actually two um, okay. kind of wide-ranging ones. Uh, Forever Young by John Young. He's uh, widely widely known as the astronaut's astronaut. And uh, he flew in Gemini, Apollo, and the shuttle program. And he wrote Forever Young, which is just a fascinating insight into the astronaut world. And I think it's 
great reading. And then the other book is Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's a great book on the changing your mindset from whatever you have now to a growth mindset. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I love that one too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, we are up to the checkered flag here, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool, fun collector car. Maybe it's a vintage race car. Maybe it's for the street. Whatever you want. But there are a couple rules for the game, as they are with the guy who gets to write the check. One is it's the only cool collector car you can have. I want you to drive it and enjoy it. So no garage queens. And it's the uh, well, actually, the last part of this is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of racing supplies or tires or finance your racing. You have to keep this vehicle, so choose wisely. This is a hard one to limit to just one, but... Of course. (laughs) uh, Yeah, simple answer uh, for me as well. Uh, My grandfather, Neil, built a car that's known as the Polynesian, and that would be... The Polynesian, yeah. It's it's a beautiful car. I urge you to Google it and just just look at it. I don't want to, you know, say anything too much about it, on this um i just want to see the visuals it's a it's a great car and in times when you know car customizers were chopping things like a 32 roadster look my grandfather neil was taking these you know big sedans and channeling them and sectioning them and maybe a mild shop but you could argue that especially a car like the polynesian changed automotive design and it's just a special car it looks beautiful and the great personal connection as well. Does the car still exist today? Does somebody own it? The car does exist today. Um, it does. So okay. yeah, and it's out All there. Right. The other, another one is a uh, Dick Flint's Roadster that he built. Uh, that's a, that's widely known in the hot rod world as well. So I was yeah. choosing between the Polynesian and Dick Flint's Roadster, but I think the Polynesian wins. Yeah, I think so. Well, you uh, listeners out there will have to go Google that and check it out. Uh, I just took a quick peek. It's pretty darn cool. So, uh, yeah, you're going to like that, but we'll let you explore that one. You've taken me on a really fun ride today, and I guess we could say a flight a little bit since you're uh, training and, and working on being a pilot, and you are a pilot. I really love uh, you sharing your stories. Is there one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer our listeners before you rip off into the sunset in that beautiful Polynesian? Keep it on the island. Keep it on the island. Now, for those who aren't into racing and so forth, what exactly do you mean by that? So uh, this gets into more life stories as well. However, uh, when I was racing, uh, when Stuart would buckle me down in that six-point harness in the Formula Ford on pre-grid, he would reef me down really hard in the belts and then usually shake my hand or something and just you know say, keep it on the island. And when I was racing, I always thought, yeah, keep it on that black stuff, you know, and he's progress forward but it just got into more than that too and i realized that it you know keeping on the island is not only for racing but for life too you know managing yourself um keeping your focus and keeping what's important in front of you is critical absolutely thanks for explaining that for us Uh, is there a way for people to follow along with you i mean you play in the social media world websites or how can people keep up with your active life yeah, um, Instagram's probably the best. I'm MarkSpeed22, uh, the number 22 on Instagram. And uh, you can reach out to me there, follow along a little bit of the car world, a little bit of the uh, flying world, and some cool stuff. There you go. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Mark's show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Mark Wilson, and you will find him at MarkSpeed22. 
on Instagram. Mark, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your life with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.